podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Fire for them, fire for them. If you're looking for that 35 bag umbrella and all damn thing there, keep it locked with this Unomics podcast. 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 Yo, you're now locked in to another episode of the Dishnomics Podcast. I hope you've had a fantastic week thus far. Might as well be bad. Thanks for asking, people. Make sure you check out episode 257, Long Live Lizzie. What on earth are the monarchy still doing in power? So I looked at the economical aspect of the monarchy. Are they value for money? Because effectively the taxpayers give them millions of pounds every year so through the history of the monarchy some of their crown jewels how much they're worth when elizabeth came into power or her coronation how things have changed over the centuries where before the monarchy ran everything then they divulged then they diverted power towards parliament how that went about and just more money stuff about how much they make how much they're worth what they own and how much money do we give them and if we should or not cool that's this week's podcast. Make sure you check that out. This week, we're going to be talking about Boris Johnson. Now, I woke up to a bit of a surprise on a Monday morning, seeing, not a surprise, but it was a surprise how it went down, fresh off the Jubilee celebrations, that there was a vote of no confidence to be initiated that very evening. And this is a perfect time to talk about because obviously that's a hot topic in the world of politics. So this week's episode is politics. Previously it was economics. It's always going to be a mixture of the two. And yeah, I thought we'd get into that because I'm sure a lot of people have questions. I want to answer some of the ones that people post on my Instagram regarding what's going to happen. What does this mean? Did they ask people, is Boris going to win? What happens if he wins? All that good stuff. Because of course, these people are governing our country. And it's very important to know if Boris is going to be here next year or next week or next month, who knows. So, yeah. Is, are Boris's days, or aka Bojo's, days numbered? Lego. Hi, guys. MXM. And listen to the Dysonomics podcast because it's late. It's late. Yo, what's popping, people? You're now locked into another episode of the Dysonomics podcast. Big shout out to my guy, Andre, keeping the sound beautiful, fresh and vibrant. That's probably not the correct terminology, but sounding clear as day. Cool, boom. We're talking politics this week. And it's of course the big news. What was the big news? Well, on Monday, the 6th of June, it was announced by the chairman of the 1922 committee that there will be a vote of confidence with regards to Boris Johnson and his leadership of the Conservative Party. Now, before we get into the nitty-gritty, I'm sure you heard 1922 committee. What's that? The 1922 committee is also known as the 22. And this committee is a committee of all the backbench conservative MPs that meet weekly when Commons is sitting. Now, what is a backbench MP? So now, I want you to cast your memories to when you've seen people in Parliament discussing stuff, right? Everybody's not... It's not like a open-pan office where everybody sits on the same level... There is benches. It's almost like a stand, like a football stand or a, or a stand in a stadium where you go to see music or whatever. It's all sim- similar to like a cinema. There's front row seats and then there's people right at the back row, right? The front row seats are people who are going to be the main dons in the party, the cabinet. 
So Boris, he's sitting next to, next to Preeti Patel, who's the Home Secretary. He's sitting next to Dominic Ram, who is the um, Foreign Secretary. He's also the bloody... What's his name? He's the Assistant Prime Minister, Deputy Prime Minister, sorry. Sitting next to Sajid Javid, Health Secretary. Uh, what's my man's name? Rishi Sunak, the Chancellor's Checker. So like the main hitters in the cabinet, the cabinet ministers, all the secretaries, them... Um, Educational Secretary, Transport Secretary, all the people that sit in the front benches, right? The back benches are like just typical MPs. Some may be brand new MPs. Some have been there for time and they're not um, like the big senior dons, right? So those are the back benches. Um, the chair of this committee is, is usually a senior MP and is elected by the committee members and has considerable influence within the parliamentary party. Even though it's actually called the 1922 committee, it was actually set up in 1923. Um, by new Conservative MPs elected in 1922. Now, what does this committee do, right? Well, they could do something where they could initiate a vote of no, a vote of confidence with regards to the to the leader of Conservative Party at the time. Ian Duncan Smith once filled one of these votes, I think in, oh, I can't remember when it was. I'll get the data up. I can't remember the date. Now, in this instance, there is a sitting prime minister and he is a conservative prime minister by the name of Boris Johnson, which you're, you're probably all aware by now. And the rules of the 1922 committee is that if we want to initiate this vote of confidence, there is a threshold that needs to be met. And that threshold is 15% of current MPs, all right? So there was currently 359 MPs Although that number, well, when Boris Johnson was elected, that number was actually slightly higher. Some people have not been MPs anymore. They've lost, they have been disgraced and kicked out. Um, I'll talk about some of them later. The number needed was 15% of MPs and that number is 54 MPs to be exact. Uh, what do these MPs need to do? They need to write a letter to the 1922 committee to state that they have lost confidence in the leadership of Boris Johnson. Hence, sparking a, a potential a vote on his leadership. And if he does lose that vote, if 51% of Conservative MPs vote a day that they do not have confidence in Boris Johnson, then there is a leadership challenge, right? He's now ousted, he's out the door, and then there is leadership challenge, right? So, on the faithful day of Monday, the 6th of June 2022, the chairman of the 1922 committee announced that this threshold had been met of minimum 15% of Conservative MPs. And he didn't go into particulars how many more were there. He didn't want to get drawn into that. And he stated that people told him, like, listen, we've written, here's our letter, but we want, we want this to be held and post-dating to after the Jubilee celebrations. We don't want to, do you know what I mean, get in the way of that. And boom, Boris Johnson and them said, yeah, let's get this cracking, let's get this vote done today. Now, the mood that day was that they were confident they were going to win. Um, Theresa May, she was a sitting prime minister, and even she won her vote of no confidence, although she left six months later. She won her vote of no confidence, she got 63% of the vote, right? But it was very interesting because... It, it's finally reached a point where the Tories are tired of Boris Johnson's shit. They're tired of it. Like, I'm going to get into the story and what happened the day more, but to give context is that I know a lot of my listeners are London-based 
university educated um, quite a significant proportion in between the ages of 18 to 35. Quite a lot of you are also ethnic minorities. And quite a lot of you are also people who come from working class backgrounds. And that is usually demographic that signals to people who are going to be more left-leaning on the political scale. And people who are more inclined to vote Labour. And people who are quite likely to have some form of disdain towards the Conservative Party. And quite hefty disdain at that, depending on, on um, where you sit. So quite often, when I'm on social media, when I'm speaking to people, the disdain for Tories and Tory MPs is very, very high. People don't even want... People even shun you if they find out. Some people shun you if they find out that you are a Tory or they suspect you're a Tory. I know myself. Some people, because of my open criticism of some of the policies of... Uh, of previous Labour candidates such as Jeremy Corbyn. And I'd like to add that it was only particular policies. I've said I was a fan of his foreign policy for the most part. And I liked some of his educational policies. But that's neither here nor there. Some people have accused me of being a Tory. Which I find very interesting. Especially since I've always been very highly critical of um, the Conservative Party. Ever since I had a podcast, which is in 2016, and social media, I spoke about how austerity was so bad for this, for this country, how austerity is a terrible economic outlook to take for a particular government because it doesn't help you long-term in terms of beating um, poor economic growth. And the Tories have... And the Tories um, put us in 10 years of austerity from 2010 to 2020, or 2019, when Theresa May announced it stopped. When did Theresa... Or 2018, sorry. Or was it Rishi Sunak announced it? I can't remember who announced the end of austerity. But, um, yeah, for several years. In my election history, I've voted for Labour twice. Um, so let me go backwards. 2019 election, when it was Boris Johnson versus the Liberal Democrat candidate who I forgot their name but I like their policies uh, and Jeremy Corbyn I voted for Liberal Democrats the year before uh, the election before when it was Theresa May versus Jeremy Corbyn 2017 I voted for Liberal Democrats again I wasn't a fan of Jeremy Corbyn's policies in both elections Liberal Democrats had better policies and I always vote on policy as well the election before that I believe would have been 2015 maybe um, David Cameron versus Mr. Miliband. I voted for um, Mr. Miliband. And David Cameron shortly left after because of, um, in 2016, due to the referendum. Uh, and obviously 2010 election. That's my first general election I voted in when I was at university. And that was Gordon Brown, I believe, versus David Cameron. I voted for Gordon Brown, Labour. So I've, I've never voted Conservative, but they think I am. Anyway, back to the point. People tend to believe that all Conservative MPs are evil, they're terrible, they're this, that, and the third. And I wouldn't go that far, but I'm, I've often been left with anger into where, into how they voted and somehow they speak on certain issues, especially with regards to people who are working class and in underprivileged communities. But let me tell you one thing. When you're leveling criticism at this Conservative government for the actions of this conservative government, 
at quite a lot of junctions, the Tory backbenchers have also been against the government. People are highly critical of the lockdowns, the time of the lockdowns. Conservative government were fuming at the lockdowns. People have been angry at the increases in taxes. The conservative backbenchers were furious at these measures. A lot of the time, the Conservative government have been very angry with the, with the policy and the behaviour of Boris Johnson and the rest of his party. Now, even Labour and even some of the staunchest critics have spoken on how, yeah, we don't agree with, with these lot. We don't agree with Theresa May. We don't agree with David Cameron. But they had a, they had a level of integrity that Boris simply doesn't have. And Boris Johnson's behaviour regards to the lockdown parties and how he carried himself with his behaviour regarding the Tory donor scandal. They have been furious and they are angry at his lack of integrity. Hence why they have gone this far to attempt to oust him. I'm not sure people remember, but when Boris Johnson was sick with COVID during the COVID period, his own cabinet ministers and people were linking mad stuff about him because they were not happy with how he was moving and it was looking mad. Conservative MPs have listened to radio, I mean, podcasts, I've been reading stuff, and Conservative MPs have spoken about how the constituents are furious with what's happening and they are worried for the next election that they might lose because Boris had been that bad. So this should come as no surprise that his own party, trying to ask him, that his own party have been very angry with him for two years. So back to that fateful day. Boom. Now, as I'm watching Sky News and that, Beth Rigby, Sam Coates and them, man, shout out, them, shout out them, like, great reporting that day. I'm starting to think, this, I thought, okay, cool, Boris is going to win this. He's not going to be ousted today. But once you reach the point where your party are, have initiated a vote of no confidence in you, your days are numbered. But the more I was deep in the settings and how Beth Rigby and other people on Sky News will speak on how yeah, a lot of people today have come out in support of the Prime Minister, speaking to us on Sky, speaking to other networks, tweeting support. There's people who I who they who they said that they've seen come out publicly support Prime Minister, but off the record in private, have said, yo, he needs to go. So there were people who were publicly supporting Prime Minister on the, on the front thing, but when it came to the vote, they weren't voting for him. Now, let's get to the vote. This vote is very simple. Do you have confidence in Boris Johnson, yes or no? And this vote is anonymous. So it's not like the vote, like if they vote on the legislation to see, okay, cool, this housing bill, we, you can check if your MP voted or not and how he voted. This vote is anonymous. So for all we know, Rishi Shanak could have voted against Boris. We will never know, unless he comes out and says. The votes come out. 211 to 148. Boris won 59% of the vote. Now, this is damning. The reason why it's damning is because it indicates that 41% of his MPs, four out of 10, do not believe he's up to the job. They want him gone. 148 MPs, your own MPs, want you out of here. Let it down all the Labour and Liberal Democrats and SMP members of parliaments that want him gone. 148 of his own donnies. And why that's significant is because Boris Johnson, literally less than three years ago, in 20, December 2019, won a historic election. 80-seat victory. 
So he can go in and pass a law, and because he's got a majority of 80, if everyone in his team sides of him, the law is always going to pass. Even if even if 30 people from his own party jump ship, he's still going to get his, his, his shit off. So if 148 people come against him, that means that all it takes is 41 of the 148 to vote against him and his laws can't go through. Bear in mind, a lot of them voted against him often in the last two years. So how on earth did he go from dominating, dominant victory, delivering Brexit a month or two later, to being on the verge of being ousted? It is insane. So what was the, what was, what was the reaction? I saw the reaction of so many. I saw so many MPs. I mean, uh, I saw, what's his name? Uh, uh, Reese Mogg saying it was a resounding victory. Boris Johnson said it was a resounding victory. Dominic Raab said it was a resounding victory. Oh, I forgot the other woman's name. Uh, I had to get her name. Stick her out. Uh, um, some people say it was a resounding victory and we should, they should now move on. No, you can't move on. It's not a resounding victory. 148 people. You did worse than Theresa May. You did worse than John Major and um, Margaret Thatcher when it was their turn. So this is very bad people who don't know. Boris Johnson was more out of favour than Theresa May, who did badly in the 2017 general election. Some people are only in Parliament because Boris put them there. So they were trying to act like it was nothing, but it's something. These MPs have said they don't trust you. They don't respect you. You have bought disrepute. And that's why so many Conservative MPs are mad because the way Boris has been moving, he's shown a lack of integrity. He's lied. He's misled Parliament. Things that you just can't do. Cannot do. He stood there and told them under no circumstances that any party had been happened. No laws were broken. Months later, it comes out that you're shabining up to 3, 4 a.m. Making us as a whole look bad. Now, what I want you people to understand is that usually when there's a vote of no confidence, the party has other candidates in mind. So when Theresa May got ousted, there was Boris Johnson, who was the former foreign secretary, also former London mayor of London, vying for a job. There was Jeremy Hunt, former health secretary, vying for a job. These are big heavyweights in the Conservative Party, big politicians, right? So the Tories knew that we had a succession plan there. Do you get me? And Theresa, Theresa May's thing was mainly due to the Brexit situation. She wasn't getting it patterned up. And that was because it was a very difficult situation to get patterned. It just was. The Tories don't even have a clear successor. And they, 148 of them voted against Boris without even a clear succession plan. If there was like a guaranteed person waiting in the wings to take over, even more of them probably would have voted against Boris. And all it would have taken is 32 more of them and then Boris would have lost. And I believe if there was a clear candidate, Boris would have been ousted on Monday. That's why I believe that Boris is on the ropes. Now let's talk about some of the people then that have called for Boris to resign publicly. Jeremy Hunt, he's the MP for South West Surrey. And on June the 6th, the former health secretary, as I said, and he lost to Boris Johnson in 2019 leadership election. 
He never really went as far as calling him for him to resign before the confidence vote was announced. But on that day, he, he tweeted a lot saying that he should go. He calls anyone who believes our country is stronger, fairer and more prosperous when led by conservatives should reflect that the consequence of not changing will be to hand the country to others who don't share those values. Today's decisions change or lose. I'll be voting to change. So he said, listen, if y'all believe that conservatism is the right way to go forward, then we need to get rid of this guy because if we don't change, we've got to lose to Keir Starman then, man. John Penrose, MP for Western Supper Mayor. He was Mr. Boris Johnson's anti-corruption champion. He confirmed live on Sky News on Monday, and I watched it, he's going to resign. I'm sorry to, he said, I'm sorry to have to resign as the PM's anti-corruption czar. But, but after his reply to last week about ministerial conduct, it's pretty clear he has broken it. That's, that's, resi that's resigning matter for me, and it should be for the PM too. Showing integrity. Angela Richardson, MP for Guildford. She had resigned from ministerial position over the government's handling of Partygate after Sue Gray's report was published at the end of January. So she already been gone. She said, yo, this is bad. I'm out of here. She said, from the very beginning, from the very beginning of the issues surrounding the Prime Minister's conduct during lockdown period and his subsequent answers to parliamentary questions, I have been consistent with my view about the standards people expect of those in high office. This is about integrity for these people. They're like, this guy's a fucking clown. He's making, like, although they're rivals, there's a particular code that people, that some of these MPs hold. And this guy is so bad that he's united ops against him. Mark Palsy, MP for Rugby and Bulkington. He was a member of the 2010 Conservative intake, intake um, when they got into power. He wrote on Twitter, in this afternoon's vote, I'll be unable to give my support to the Prime Minister. The country has reason to be grateful for Boris for getting Brexit done after a period of uncertainty and for securing a successful vaccine programme in the face of the pandemic. However, I waited for Sue Gray's report and was disappointed to read his contents. I've concluded that it's now time for a different kind of leadership with a new team. With the general election only two years away, now is the right time for a new leader bringing about the change that we need to restore the country's confidence in the government and ensure Conservative victory in 2024. Very sensible. Yo, yeah, you did your thing here and there. But big man, elections are two years. And after what you've done with Partygate, you can't be trusted. And if we want to win, we need to get somebody in and show the country that change have been made. Douglas Rose, leader of the Scottish Tories. Mr Rose, who led the Scottish Conservatives since 2020, joined 27 members of the Scottish Parliament, MSPs, in calling for Boris Johnson's resignation over Partygate in February. 27 Tory members of Scottish MPs were like, nah, brother, you have to rise it. You have to, no, you have to get out of here. Um, who else? Sir Robert Sims, MP for Paul. Yeah. He's been an MP for Paul since 1997, fam. That's longer than some of you been alive, fam. He said he was discontented with Mr. Johnson over Partygate. Partygate and he said he's used up his nine lives. And he tweeted this bait face. Although a secret ballot, I tend to vote no confidence this evening. Dehina Davison, MP for Bishop Auckland. She said on Facebook, this is not a decision I take lightly, but my man's got a bounce. Lawrence Robertson, senior Tory MP who chaired the Northern Ireland Select Committee for seven years. And he said that he'll be voting against Boris Johnson with a heavy heart. 
a Scottish Conservative who was a former PPS and vice chair of the party by the name of Andrew Bowie for West Aberdeenshire and, and King, King Codine, said his constituents were understandably angry and upset of what's happened. And he decided to vote against Boris for the good of the country. Number 10, I'll leave it at 10. John Lamont, MP for Berkshire, Roxburgh and Selkirk. Another Scottish Tory. He said that he received thousands of emails from constituents about the Prime Minister action over the recent weeks and months. Bro, there is so many of them. So many of them. They want this guy out of it. And they're coming public with it. Now, if we talk about who can succeed, there is various candidates. Like, um, Rishi Sunak is a candidate, for example. But the issue with Rishi Sunak is that recently, due to the cost of living crisis and him not going super hard at first, that's a little dent. But then he came, he spun the block and went in um, the other week, which I detailed his um, response to cost of living. And also the stuff about his non-domicile status, his wife's non-domicile status, and him having a green card in the USA, that was a dent in his political career. But he came out firing. So I think he's still in the running. Uh, Liz Truss, she is the um, flipping foreign secretary. She's another rival, but she gives me big bows of energy. The Russians weren't even respecting her when she tried to attract them and there. Then you've got um, Ben Wallace. He's the secretary of state for defense. So he's defense secretary. And he's like really coming to rankings like he's been very patterned. So these are the three. And then, of course, Jeremy Hunt former um, health secretary. So those are like the four candidates that people have been keeping an eye on that could potentially take over if Boris hits the can. Now, for what you've been waiting for, my opinion, do I think Boris is going to go? Boris' days are numbered. You can't, he can't survive this. And Boris is very, very stubborn. But they are going to do their utmost to get him out of there because they are worried for the 2023 or 2024 election. Now, um, the rules are, once you have won the election and you're now the government, you have, up, you have five years to call a general election. So he could call it a general election. They usually call it between four and five years. So he could call it next year, 2023, and it's usually in May, May 2023, or you could call it maybe May 2024. But sometimes you could call a snapshot election, which is what Boris Johnson did in um, December 2019. And that was because he took over from Theresa May and he had to like, effectively consolidate his power. Cool. And have a mandate to govern. Now, as I was saying, Boris Johnson has committed too many crimes. I tweeted this quite a few times. Usually, um, prime ministers have like one or two big scandals. Tony Blair, war in Iraq. I remember Gordon Brown, he had where they lost, and the civil service lost like CD discs that had data on people's children and their addresses and stuff like that. That was a big scandal in the country when it happened. There's usually like one or two in your four years. Do you get me? Yeah? Boris, I swear it comes like it's one every month. COVID, from not attending COBRA meetings to trying to do herd immunity, to messing up Having um, him and what's my man's um, name, uh, Matt Hancock, messing up testing, messing up the lockdown, right? 
you had cheating scandals. You've had Pretty Patel bullying. Matt Hancock beats all the stuff about that uh, Dominic Cummings came out to tell about how terrible he was. Matt Hancock lying to the public regarding COVID. Matt Hancock cheating scandal, breaking COVID rules while cheating on your wife. Caught in your place of work. Then you have Partygate, which is insane. Then you have the school dinner scandals where you had to do a U-turn. Windfall tax, you had to do a U-turn. What else, what else? Um, the Tory donor shit where you're, you're having Tory donors pay for your refurbishment. Matt Hank, the government contracts, you giving out these dodgy contracts during COVID. Test and trace. This is all legit off the top of my head. Off the top of my head, fam. Let alone your underperformance in several other areas. Now, the fact that now you, it's got so bad that your MPs have been getting bombarded with letters and calls from the constituents. Not because of what they've done, because of what you're on. The knives have been out since about, since summer 2020 when Boris caught COVID. And that's when they had enough of Boris's competency. And now Boris's incompetencies are, have been on full display. He's getting fists up by Keir Starmer nonstop for lying and flopping here and flopping there. They're doing terribly in the polls. There is two by-elections because one of your MPs, and, I'm not, and this is not Boris's fault, by the way, sexually assaulted a teenage boy, has now gone to jail. So his seat is come up for grabs. Another of your MPs was sleeping watching porn in Parliament. And he's been sacked. He's had to resign and, he's, he's, and his seat is now for grabs. So this is another two by-elections and it's very likely that Conservatives are going to lose his by-election. That's going to be two extra seats. There's going to be more pressure on his head top. They're not going to stop. And also, I am so certain that people in his party, in his cabinet, want him out of here because they fear, they fear for their future. There's talks of people saying maybe Boris Johnson should get Jeremy Hunt as well because he's one of the big rivals a job in his um, in his uh, what do you call it in the cabinet maybe give him Rishi's job as chancellor you can't it doesn't make sense for Jeremy Hunt to take that because Jeremy Hunt might end up being prime minister himself he just have to wait for Boris to get kicked out and also if you if you take if you do that to Rishi Sunak Rishi Sunak knows stuff he's gonna pam you same way Boris tried stupidly to blame Dominic Cummins for the leaks when it weren't him and Dominic Cummings knows where all the bodies are buried. And guess what he did? He bloody buried you for, for, for three weeks. Annihilated you. So yeah, I don't, there's no way he survives this. If he survives this and goes to the next election and wins, that guy's bloody Teflon. But now the gig is up. They're, they're on him now. They are going to do everything in their power. They're going, there's going to be leaks upon leaks. They're going to not vote his way. They're going to abstain if it's about voting his way. They're going to keep the pressure on. Every Prime Minister's question, they're on him. So, yeah, man. I don't think Boris survives this. I think he resigns before there's a next general election. And I'm not sure he's going to take charge. Maybe Jeremy... My guess is between um, Ben Wallace and Jeremy Hunt. That's my guess. 
But yeah, people, let me know what you think about this week's pods. Do you think Boris is going to survive? Let me know. Hashtag Dysonomics. Until next week, peace and blessings. Bow. Sports Social Podcast Network.